welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Well, this morning, uh, as believers in Christ, we uh, celebrate what is known as the resurrection. And the news of uh, Jesus' resurrection traveled quickly uh, throughout the known world at the time that the, uh, the tomb was empty. And I'm sure most of you probably read some things this week, hopefully, uh, through the gospel accounts about the resurrection and uh, the empty tomb. And you know, the, the empty tomb stands paramount to the life and Jesus, his ministry, what he did, his mission, uh, what he's done to accomplish for us. And the fact that a man named Jesus, who claimed to be God, who suffered at the hands of sinful men, was crucified, he died. Uh, That's quite a feat uh, to think about that Christ showed himself, the Bible says, with many infallible proofs. And you know, sometimes I think uh, we make the resurrection out to be just more of a story uh, than really what it is. Um, The resurrection is a person. Jesus said in John 11, 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Death could not hold Christ down because he is the resurrection. And this morning, I don't want to focus so much on the event of the resurrection, about the empty tomb and things like that. And there's nothing wrong with talking about that. But I really want to focus in on Jesus, the resurrection, who he is, the fact that he has power over death and the power of his resurrection. For the last few months, we've been uh, going through the book of Philippians, and uh, we've been in uh, Philippians 3 for uh, a couple months, and we looked at one of the verses there a while back, if you can remember, it was Paul, as he was talking about his desire to know Christ, and in Philippians 3.10, Paul says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, and may share in his sufferings, being coming like him in his death. Paul, who was a devoted follower of Christ, desired to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. Paul desired intimate acquaintance with the Lord Jesus to such a degree that he should feel his power in every part of his life. He didn't just want to know the power of resurrection, but a desire to know him who is connected with the power of the resurrection. And so I want to give you some things to think about in connection with our Lord and the power that he has, the power of his resurrection. And certainly there are more that, we're going to, that we can find in Scripture, but I think that these stand uh, somewhat paramount about the power of his resurrection. So here's what I'd like for you to take away with you today. The resurrection is more than a story. It is the power of God. So let's take notice here, first of all, the power to prove that he is Lord and Christ. When Paul wrote and he says that I may know him and the power 
power of his resurrection, the power of his his resurrection proves that he is Lord and Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 1, 1 through 4. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so when we think about the power of his resurrection, the fact that Christ rose from the dead has such power, such force that it proved that he was Lord and Christ. Our Lord's resurrection from the dead was a proof that he was the Messiah. There are many false beliefs uh, today that claim that Jesus didn't know that he was going to die. Uh, They say things like Jesus was just merely a martyr or the fact that it was a surprise to him, that he had no idea that all this stuff was going to happen, that it was an accident. He was never never planned on actually going to the cross. But notice what Paul says here in this text concerning Jesus and the proof of who he is. Notice what he says, beforehand, he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. He was promised beforehand through the Holy Scriptures. He was the promised seed that descended from King David, proving his right to rule as king. He was declared to be the Son of God according to the spirit of holiness. And all this was proved and certified by the resurrection from the dead. You see, it's one thing for a person to go about saying that he's the Messiah or claiming to be God, to doing these miracles and things like that. But a person who resurrects from the dead, that's not normal. Jesus did that. And it proved exactly what the scriptures teach. And it proved that he is both Lord and Christ. Jesus himself many times spoke to his disciples about his death. But it was always followed up with knowing about his resurrection. Listen to a few of these verses here. Luke 9.22, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Mark 8.31, and he began to teach them that the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. Mark 9.31, for he was teaching his disciples saying to them, the son of man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him and when he is killed after three days he will rise Matthew 12 40 for just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish so will the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth Luke 18 31 through 34 and talking to the 12 he said to them see we are going up to Jerusalem and everything that is written about the son of man by the prophets will be accomplished for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit 
sit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. But they understood none of these things. This saying was hidden from them and they did not grasp what was said. Matthew 16, 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed on the third day and be raised. Luke 24, 7, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. Mark 10, 34, and they will mock him and spit upon him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. You see, our Lord's mission was to redeem man from sin, to glorify the Father. That's what he always said. I'm come to do the Father's will, to glorify the Father. The resurrection is the proof of that mission. Without the resurrection, there's no proof that he is both Lord and Christ. You see, if our Lord Jesus had not risen from the dead, our faith in him would crumble. Paul, in fact, talks about this very thing as he writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain and your faith is in vain. He declares to the apostles what have been found false witnesses before God because he says, he, we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not up, if so be that the dead rise not. If Christ be not raised, your faith is vain and you are still in your sins. See, the resurrection of Jesus stands paramount as to who Christ is. Without the resurrection, he is not Lord and he is not Christ. This is important when it comes to the matter of our salvation. It's important when it comes to our redemption from our sins. Because without the resurrection, there is no forgiveness of sins. We'll talk about that here in just a little bit moment. Without the resurrection, Christ is just another man that died on a cross. All the teachings of Christ are merely that, just teachings, just some good sayings. But see, because he resurrected from the dead, he has total authority and power to say what he says and to mean it. His life was just a good life lived and ended. And while we may be even able to glean some things from that, if he had not resurrected from the dead, that's it. If Christ is not resurrected from the dead, he has nothing to offer us in exchange of righteousness for our unrighteousness. The resurrection itself is the infallible proof of the authority, the power, and glory of Jesus, the Son of God. The Christ that was sent from the Father was a real man. He died a real cruel death on the cross for our sins. And when he rose from the dead, he was not a ghost. He was a real man that bore in his body the marks of the crucifixion. You remember when he appeared to the disciples there in the upper room? Thomas, if I could just, unless I can put my finger in his hands and put my hand up in his side, I won't believe. And he says, touch me, handle me. He says, because I'm not a spirit, I'm real. If you are an unbeliever, the Christ that has been declared to you is the only one 
who is both Lord and Christ, and he commands you to repent of your sins and believe in him because not only is he the one who created you, but he bore the Father's wrath for you so that you would be saved for the wrath to come. He bore the wrath so that you would be reconciled to him and have his righteousness. And as a believer in Christ, the power of his resurrection is a constant reminder that Christ is Lord and he will sustain you no matter the obstacles, the difficulties, the trials, and the struggles we all face. If he went to the cross and he suffered everything, suffered, bore the Father's wrath, if he did all of that, he will surely keep us and guide us no matter the circumstances, even until the end of the age. And so, because Christ has resurrected, since he is the resurrection, he has power to prove that he is Lord and Christ, just as what Paul says here. He was set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets and the Holy Scriptures concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by what? By his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Here's the second thing. Power to justify the sinner. What do we mean by justify or justification? It's a legal term. It means to be rendered free or innocent. How many of you have ever gotten a ticket before? Okay, all right, very good. How many of you got a ticket but your spouse doesn't know about it? <laughs> Don't raise your hand. <laughs> when you get pulled over by a police officer, and uh, they're going to give you a ticket. They're going to have you sign something. And they say, now this is not saying that you're guilty. But when you go and pay the ticket, you are saying, I am guilty. Okay? So when we're talking about justification, it means to be rendered free or innocent to be declared righteous. It means to be acquitted. Listen to the words of Paul here as he writes about our justification. Romans chapter five, verse number one, and then also verses six through 10. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse six, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one would even dare to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies... We were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. You see, it's one thing for Jesus to die on the cross. Yes, that happened. But if there was no resurrection, then that's all that happened. He just died. 
You see, the resurrection is the receipt, if you will. It is the receipt of our justification that our fines were paid in full. Because of our sins, the penalty of the law is what? Death. Romans 6.23, for the wages of our sin is death. Christ himself paid that penalty by the death on the cross and his death was satisfactory to appease the wrath of God that we rightfully deserve. Christ Jesus is our substitute and our sacrifice. He came into the world to satisfy the law and he did it by offering himself as the once and final payment for our sins. Christ died and was buried, but he did not stay dead. He arose victorious and he says, I have paid the fine. It's done. The law has been paid in full. There's nothing more to do. Christ did it all. This should give us great joy because to know that the penalty that we once had, to know that our sins were rendering us as guilty before God, that the payment that we had to pay was death, separation from God forever. The fact that Christ paid our fine And he says, I have proof that I paid the fine by the resurrection from the dead. And so his power to justify the sinner, everything, all the penalties that we had have been wiped clean, everything. We've been justified. We've been declared innocent and not guilty before God. Not because of anything that we have done, but solely on what Jesus has done. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin for us, in that we would become the righteousness of God in him. You see, when our Lord rose from the dead, it made the transaction complete for the sinner to be made righteous. Jesus cried upon the cross before he died, what? It is finished. It's paid for. It's done. But can you imagine if that's all that just would have happened? Would there have been a real transaction there? Would it all be complete? No. That's why he had to resurrect to say that I can pay for it completely, fully. That I am the resurrection and the life. Listen to Paul's words here again in verse number one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Faith in what? Faith in Christ. Faith in who he says that he is. Faith that he has paid the fine. Faith in believing that Christ has been resurrected from the dead. And notice this, because we've been justified by faith, we have what now? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, without Christ, we are enemies of God. There's a great power to justify us and give us peace. And all of that was made possible through his resurrection. So he has power to justify the sinner. Here's the third thing, power to give life to the dead. Jesus can give life because he himself is life. John chapter one, verses one through four says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. 
and the life was the light of men. 1 Corinthians 15, 20 through 22 says, but in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. Thus it was written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You see, Jesus can give life because he raised himself from the dead. No one took his life. What did he do? He laid it down, didn't he? He himself raised himself up from the dead. You see, the resurrection is such a big deal because no one has or ever will raise themselves from the dead. It's not possible. Only Jesus did that. Only he himself resurrected himself from the dead. Only God can do something like that. And so we see that he has power to give life to the dead. Listen to what Paul writes here in Ephesians chapter two, verses one through seven. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God being rich in mercy because of the great love which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. You see, when we believe in Jesus, we receive a new life. We are passed from death to life. We are resurrected to new life in Christ. We've been raised up in heavenly places with Christ. Do you see the change there? Unfortunately, I think there's many people that go to church week after week after week after week, and they've never been resurrected to new life. They've never believed in Christ They've never repented of sin and trusted the only life-giving Savior. They trust in everything else except Christ. And Jesus here, he tells us that he is the resurrection and the life. Though he were dead, yet he will live. And so Christ has power to give life to the dead. A new heart and a right spirit are put within us. The person who has been given life has new desires. A desire to know Christ, to grow in him. A desire to love God, to be changed continually into his image. The life that we have with Christ is a new life. But not only for here, but it's for all of eternity. Remember what Jesus said? I am the resurrection and the life. There is a life after death, 
And that life is found in the resurrected Christ. The life that Jesus gives is eternal life. Listen to what our Lord said in John chapter four when he was speaking to the woman at the well. Whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Romans chapter six, verses five through nine says, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. And so Christ has power to give us new life. Have you been changed by that? Do you have new life living in you? Or is it the old man? Is it corrupt? Is it what Paul says here, being dead in trespasses and sins? Christ can resurrect you to new life in him. And he has the power to do that because of his resurrection from the dead. Here's the last one. Power to be a faithful high priest. In our understanding of who Christ is and what he has accomplished, I believe Jesus being our faithful high priest is sometimes overlooked. And that could just be because we don't have a good understanding of what the scriptures teach about this. And I just want to whet your appetite here just a little bit. Uh, and I encourage you to meditate on this and read up on it a little bit more. The writer of Hebrews talks about this in Hebrews chapter eight, verse number one. It says, now the point in which we are saying is this, we have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. In the Old Testament Levitical system, a priest was required in order for sinners to approach the holy God. And that's what it talks about in the, in the Old Testament there, about the Levitical system in Leviticus. It talks about the tabernacle. It talks about the priesthood. It talks about how everything was supposed to happen in order for uh, people's sins to be atoned for, in order for the sins to be uh, taken care of. And Hebrews here teaches us the importance of having a high priest. In the Old Testament uh, there, we, we learn about the high priest. We learn about uh, the, the priest that would go in and minister in the tabernacle and they would go into the Holy of Holies and they would take the blood of, of a bull or a goat and they would sprinkle it on the, on, the, on the mercy seat there to atone for the sins of the people. The people stood without of the tabernacle there. The priest would go in and if the priest had anything, if he was coming before God, if there was something that wasn't right, God would strike him dead. It was very serious. And it was an exciting thing when the priest came out covered in blood that the sins had been atoned for. Get the picture? 
Here's Christ who suffered on the cross for our sins. And the Bible tells us that he took his blood and it was sprinkled on the mercy seat. Where? In heaven. And he resurrected himself, came out of the grave saying, it's done, it's paid for. I'm the faithful high priest. Our great high priest, Jesus, has no rivals. So what do we mean that he has power to be a faithful high priest? See, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for our sins. Jesus offered the final sacrifice for our sins. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 says, for by a single offering, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified, those who are being made holy, those who are being set apart for God. Because Jesus' sacrifice is perfect, no additional sacrifice is ever needed. This is the case because Jesus did not simply offer a sacrifice that was external to himself, but he offered what? Himself. Jesus himself was the sacrifice and he was a perfect sacrifice. Hebrews chapter 10, nine then adds, and by that we will have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. This is why it is such wonderful news that Jesus is our final sacrifice because Jesus can actually bring true and lasting forgiveness of sins because of the value of his sacrifice. It was a perfect sacrifice. What does this have to do with the power of his resurrection? Well, Hebrews 1.3 says this. Speaking of Jesus, it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprints of his nature and he upholds the universe by the word of his power after making purification for sins he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high you see it's important to remember that Jesus' sacrifice is effectual because he did not stay dead he resurrected and where did he go he ascended on high and he sat down there with his father. He was raised to an indestructible life. Hebrews 7, 16 says, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. That's power. And he has power to be our faithful high priest. The power of his resurrected life is what allows Christ to reign in heaven and be our high priest in allowing us to draw near to God. Do we come to God through Mary? No. Do we come to God through lighting candles or rubbing beads or climbing mountains or uh, inflicting self-harm upon ourselves? No. Who's the mediator between us and God? One man, the man Christ Jesus He has become our faithful high priest and we come and we draw near to God through Christ. And he is still our faithful high priest. Hebrews 6.19 says that he is our sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, our hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. You see, as the risen and ascended divine and human great high priest, Jesus is a priest forever. 
He never takes a break. He never goes to sleep. He's never up there wringing his hands going, oh man, what am I going to do? He knows exactly what to do because he's in control. He's in charge. He's our faithful high priest. He is the royal priest king whose priestly reign has no end. Hebrews 7, 23 through 25 says, the former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. In other words, this guy signs up, he's gonna be a priest and he starts serving as a priest and he's starting to get kind of old. Uh-oh, he died. We're gonna need somebody else. So they get another one and another one and another one and another one. But guess what? Christ is our faithful high priest in indestructible office. He's never going to die. He's eternal. He holds his priesthood, it continues on to say in verse 24, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. But it gets a lot better than just that. Take a look at these verses. Hebrews chapter five, verses one through two. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office, but he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. He's able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. He saves us. Hebrews chapter two, verse 17 through 18. Therefore, he has been made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. You see, because of what Jesus has done, because he was made in the likeness of flesh yet without sin, Jesus himself suffered he went through so many things. I was just talking with a lady uh, just this past couple days ago. Her grandson got a hold of uh, some heroin, was laced with fentanyl. He died. She found him. She was so broken. I talked to her about the Lord. I said, do you know the Lord? Yes, I know the Lord. She says, I don't know what to do. She says, I'm just so broken. I said, you need to pray to God. You need to go to God. How? How can I do that? I said, you go to God and you pray and you pour your heart out before him because he knows what it is to suffer. He knows what it is to have pain. He knows what it is to have rejection. He knows our deepest hurts. Because he himself has experienced that. And he's become a faithful high priest. And we can go to him. Hebrews chapter four, verses 14 through 16. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, 
but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. You see, all of this is made possible because of his sacrifice and his power of his resurrection. If Jesus had not resurrected from the grave, he could not be a faithful high priest. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.